Welcome back to the Yellow Box Podcast. This week, we are joined by our community pastor, Ian Simpkins, as we continue our series, Making Memories. For more information, please visit us at www.communitychristian.org. And remember, you can always find us on Sundays at the Yellow Box at 9.30 a.m., 11.15 a.m., and 5 p.m., and now on Monday nights at 6.30 p.m. We hope to see you there. Well, hi again. (laughs) It's good to see you. Um, how many of you have a keepsake that's like really meaningful to you? Anyone have a keepsake, something at your house? It could be something normal. It could be something quirky. I asked a number of people and like it kind of runs the gamut. Some people have like an old baseball mitt or uh, like, a, like a jar of buttons. Um, the one that comes to mind for me is, is maybe a little strange, but this, this is what I thought of when I thought of a keepsake that's really meaningful to me. <laughs> Don't laugh. This is a 20-inch Zildjian rock rod cymbal. Ooh. Right? <laughs> Now, um, it's worth noting that this symbol sounds terrible. It's the worst. It's really awful. It weighs about 87 pounds. It's ridiculous. But this was my father's symbol. In fact, uh, a lot of greats played a symbol very similar to this. John Bonham, Stuart Copeland. But the greatest drummer of all time, we of course know, is... Who said Ian Simpkins? I love you so much. (laughs) No. (laughs) Keith Moon from The Who. Now, not a great like moral example, but (laughs) he was the drummer that inspired my father. My mother bought him a drum set that sat in our basement and that's the drum set that inspired me to play drums and music ended up being such a massive part of my childhood. And my father gave me this symbol, um, probably one, because it wasn't doing anything, but two, because he knew how much this meant to me. Like I don't play this symbol but when I see this symbol, and I, I remember not only just music and rock and roll and like what that meant to me in my childhood, but I remember like a father who had the patience to let me learn drums in the basement. Like, like parents that like pursued and like with patience and grace let me play in like four or five punk bands, just the most like awful band to learn to play in when you're 14, 15 years old. Like I'm never gonna get rid of this symbol. I'll never play it again but it has deep meaning. And that's kind of how keepsakes work, right? They're valuable, not because they're worth anything, but because they embody what they represent, right? When you think of a keepsake in your own family, something that stands out to you as like really meaningful or valuable, they, they embody what they represent. So today we're talking about lasting memories, and lasting memories is all about the idea of legacy. So I want to begin first by asking this question this morning. The question is this, what kind of legacy do you want to leave? What kind of legacy do you want to leave? Because make no mistake, we're all leaving a legacy. All of us. Every single one of us is leaving some kind of legacy. So the question is, what kind of legacy? What kind of legacy do you want to leave? I believe how how we answer that question will have massive implications. Not like, for example, the the parents and families who were just on this stage, we're like keenly aware that they're leaving a legacy, right? is like equal parts exciting and terrifying. New parents, is that about right? You're like, oh, I get to raise them. Oh, I have to raise them. Like, it's equal parts exciting and terrifying. I'm also a new dad myself. I'm aware of this. But leaving a legacy, though, isn't just for like the, the parents of young kids that are on the stage. It's for all of us. We, we all have an opportunity to leave a legacy that will last. Because I believe that's how God built us. That's how God wired us. 
Much like what we just said on this stage, that we are in this together, that God did not create us for isolation. He created us for deep, meaningful connection with one another. So what kind of legacy do we want to leave? I think it's probably worth noting that like, for the vast majority of us, we don't really live cognizant of the fact that like what we're doing right now is leaving a legacy, right? Like if, if you're... If you're like me, sometimes you just kind of, you get caught in the rhythm of like nine to five, you drive, and then you go back, and then you have a meal, and then you go to sleep and do it again, right? We, we often aren't aware that everything that we're doing right now is pointing toward the type of legacy that we're going to leave. Now, I think it's important that we actually also note the difference between reputation and legacy. The difference between reputation and legacy. For example, first up, reputation is uh, who people think you are. Legacy is who you actually are. Who you think you are, who, people, who you actually are. The second is what you, uh, reputation is what you have when you come to a community, and legacy is what you leave behind when you go. Reputation is what you have when you come to a community, and legacy is what you leave behind when you go. And third, reputation is made in a moment, but legacy, legacy is built over a lifetime. Built over a lifetime. So what are we building with our lives? Old, young, what are we building with our lives? There's a, a political commentator named Robert Reich. I think he put it brilliantly. He said, the central paradox of our time is that most of us are earning more money and living in better uh, material terms than our parents did a quarter century ago. Yet by most measures, we're working longer and more frantically than before, and the time and energy left for our non-working lives are evaporating. Does that resonate with anyone today? The time for our non-working lives, just it's like a mist. Like, like where, where is it going? The new economy we are living in brings enormous benefits in terms of wealth, innovation, new chances, and choices. But our absorption in keeping up with it all is leading to the erosion of our families, the fragmenting of our communities, and the challenge of keeping our own integrity intact. We are in danger of losing the crucial distinction between making a living and making a life. That'll preach, right? Like, I'll admit, this absorption in keeping up, I've felt that. The obsession with with more, whether it's doing more or having more, whatever, whatever it is, can just crush you, can it? And, and maybe, maybe like me, some of you are asking, where, where did all of the time that I used to have for family, for those most important relationships, go? It seems to just simply be evaporating. I don't know about you, though. I, I don't, I don't want to just make a living. I, I want to make a life. I think philosopher William James put it perfectly. He says, the great use of life is to spend it for something that will outlast it. The great use of life will be to spend whatever time, talent, treasure you've been given to something that will outlive you, that will outlast you. I I think that resonates at like a deep, sacred, spiritual core for all of us. Yeah, yeah, that, that feels right. That feels right. I think amidst the noise and the appointments and the challenges, we, we know that that's right. Now, I think there's a, a person in the Bible who understood the importance of leaving a legacy, and his name is the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul spent a lot of time um, investing in things and people that he knew would outlive him. 
investing in the mission of Jesus, of helping people find their way back to God, pouring himself out for things that he knew ultimately would carry on well beyond his time here on earth. In fact, uh, in a particular passage, Paul, writing his young apprentice Timothy, says this. He says, For I'm already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure is near. I fought the good fight, I finished the race, I have kept the faith. So, so Paul is, is nearing the end of his life. And he's, he spent a lot of time investing in Timothy, and they have this sort of like spiritual father-son relationship. And 2 Timothy, in a lot of ways, is sort of Paul's last will and testament. So I want you to like put yourself in that emotional position for a second. Like, Can you imagine having to sum up in like a few sentences like what your life has been about? Like, like you've been pouring into this young man, Timothy, and now you want him to like, don't, don't miss this. Don't miss it. Don't, don't get absorbed in the wrong things. Don't just make a living, make, make a life. He's writing his last will and testament and he's telling him, don't miss this. With that in mind, I think these, these two short verses actually offer a lot of clues. The first is in, uh, is in verse six. In verse six here, it says, for I'm already being poured out like a drink offering. Poured out like a drink offering. Now, I won't go into like what a drink offering would represent and what that meant for this particular audience, but what Paul is essentially saying is he's, he's emptying himself out fully. He knows that the Jesus mission will likely eventually cost him his life. Like literally. He, he knows that following this rabbi Jesus will eventually mean the end of his life here on planet Earth. He's pouring himself out. So I gotta ask, is, is that the same way that you feel about your legacy? Whatever it is, whatever that looks like for you, are, are you pouring yourself out for the most important people in your life? For the most important things in your life? Are you emptying yourself out, making those a priority above everything else? Like do, do we see that as the goal, not to like build a brand or build a name for ourselves or build a social status? Like, do we see our gifts, our talents, our resources as an opportunity to constantly be pouring ourselves out on behalf of others? Because that's what Paul is saying here. That's what he's inviting Timothy into. Whatever you've been wired with, whatever you've been given, don't hoard it. Don't hold it to yourself. You've been wired and gifted these things so that we can pour ourselves out for the sake of others knowing and seeking Jesus. The second thing, Paul saw his life as existing for the sake of others. Existing for the sake of others. In verse seven, he says this. I've fought the good fight. I finished the race. I've kept the faith. Now, it's easy to sort of read this as sort of like, like Paul's highlight reel. Because Paul's done some pretty awesome things. He's, he's been some places. He's seen some things. He, he's, he's had a good run, right? But what Paul isn't doing, though, is painting himself like at the top of the podium with the gold medal and his like hands raised high. Because look, what Paul's talking about is not winning the race. He's talking about finishing the race, right? He's not talking about winning the race. He's talking about finishing the race and finishing the race has everything to do with faithfulness with faithfulness think of it this way um have you ever had a situation in your life where like 
things just got too hard and you wanted to bail, you wanted to quit. It could be like a relationship that just like wasn't panning out the way that you thought it would or they got annoying or whatever it was or like a goal that you set that just ended up feeling like too hard, too much. You're like, nah, never mind. Whatever that is, you ever, you ever feel that way about something, a goal that you set for yourself? You're like, ah, it would be easier just to, just to binge watch The Office. I'm just gonna do that instead. It's all about faithfulness. That's where faithfulness is forged when we want to quit. When we maybe can't see the finish line, we don't know how much is left, how much more I could give, is where faithfulness is forged. Like Paul, I believe that God's calling us to build a legacy of faithfulness. Because what Paul is saying, what, what matters isn't like, it's not status, it's not success, it's certainly not Facebook likes, right? That's not, that's not what Paul is saying. Paul is saying to Timothy, be someone who can look back on your life and know that you were faithful. I don't know about you, but I, I, I want that. I want to be able to look over my shoulder and say, you know what? Made a lot of mistakes. I didn't always do exactly what I wanted to do. Certainly opportunities that I missed. But man, I was faithful. I was diligent. I persevered. A couple months ago, the, the late great preacher Billy Graham passed at the age of 99. And he had this to say. He said, the greatest legacy one can pass on to one's children and grandchildren is not money or other material things accumulated in one's life, but rather a legacy of character and faith. A legacy of character and faith. So where do, where do we even start then, right? How do we even accomplish that? Well, I think a, a little archery lesson could probably help us out with that. Um, let me just real quick here. Now, I know that this pink and purple is very intimidating. Don't be alarmed. It's suction cups. It's fine. Um, I actually, I, the security team already told me that I'm not allowed to fire it, so don't worry. Some of you already look very tense. It's going gonna, it's, it's gonna to be okay. But I found that the mechanics of firing an arrow is actually pretty simple. You, you can kind of boil it down to two words, aim and release. Aim and release. So what you first do, right? I mean, I, I mean yours probably doesn't have like Rapunzel on the front of yours. Um, but you, uh, you line it up, right? And you have, to, you have to aim at something, right? Like, like this would be chaos, right? Could you imagine like a shooting range? Just people just had their bows all over the place, just arrows flying willy-nilly wherever they wanted. Like that would be bonkers and probably hilarious to watch, but not safe, not safe. The first mechanic is you have to aim at something. And so what target do we aim at? What target is our life aiming at? I think when it comes to faithfulness, there are probably really three things, three areas that we can aim our lives in order to be faithful. One, we can aim at the target of being faithful to God. Being faithful to God is all about putting him first. You've heard it said multiple times on this stage, God isn't interested in number two, three, four, five, or six. He demands and requires the number one spot. And what we find is that when God actually has the number one seat in our lives, the rest of life actually seems to make more sense. It's not always easy. But God says, seek first my kingdom and everything else will be added to you. 
So we first aim at being faithful to God. Second, we aim at being faithful to others. We be, we're faithful to others, which means we, we commit to the hard work of relationships. Can, can any, show of hands, anyone here knows that relationships are hard work? Like any relationship. I'm not talking marriage. I'm not talking children. I'm talking any relationship that's worth its weight takes work, right? We, we can begin to aim our lives at, I'm going to be faithful to relationships and not bail when I just, when I feel like it. When it gets complicated. When life gets busy. When it just gets too hard. And third, I think we can aim at being faithful to the mission. We can aim at being faithful to how do we actually give back to the world. That whatever it is that we've been wired with, whatever God has given us, whatever your gifts, talents, resources, whatever time you have, whatever you've been wired, gifted with, we use that to help more and more people find their way back to God. So what does it look like to actually aim at those things? Well, you have to first identify what they are. How, how do I actually aim at being faithful to God, faithful to others, and faithful to the mission? This is why we gather. This is why we sing. This is why we enter into community. I think God has given every one of us gifts to help carry out the mission of helping people find their way back to God for us to pour ourselves out. Now, leaving a legacy is also about the next generation. Here's the thing. Each of these arrows has a name. Each of these arrows is a person that we are investing in. Because it's not just enough to aim, right? Like you, you could just stand around aiming all day long. And like what good is that going to do? That won't accomplish a whole lot. You, you need to eventually release. And in order to release, uh, I'm going to need just a, just a quick volunteer from the audience if... Um, <laughs> You guys know I have terrible eyesight. You're right to not volunteer. That's smart. No, I'm just kidding. But to release, though, means that we're investing in the next generation, whether it's our kids, someone else's kids, the kids of this community, of our neighborhood, of our family. We invest in them. We pour into them. We aim them at being faithful to God, others, and the world. And then at some point, we got to release them. we got, we got to send them out. Parents of little kids that were just dedicated on the stage. At some point, we're going to have to let them go. We're going to pour into them, and we're going to have to eventually say, God, I'm entrusting them to you. Kids that you're investing in, in Kid City or Stuco, eventually we're going to say, we're sending you out to make a difference in the world, to go change the world. And I think a lot of people live this out by investing in kids and students. And one is uh, my friend Marianne. I'd like you to hear her story now. Take a look. My name is Maria Miller. I'm married to Jim and have daughters Melanie and Lindsay. We've been attending communities since 1989. There's been so many special memories over the years going to community as a family. We've grown closer as a family. Our journey in faith has grown tremendously. I was asked to um, come to Stucco in 2000 to go as a camp nurse. After seeing what an impact um, the messages and the worships made on the teenagers, realized the, the support and the hope that they had, you know, at, at Stucco and the love. You know, the, the leaders are just amazing. They are so passionate about helping students find their way back. I really wanted to be a part of it as a leader. One of the greatest things for me is that 
So often I'll see a student invite somebody from school um, to come to Stucco, and they will come in on Wednesday night and just fall in love with it. Um, and then gradually seeing them continue to come back and growing in faith where sometimes they'll get baptized. They may be coming and their family's not, you know, attending our church. But um, later on, you know, you, I've seen many a family um, come because of their student encouraging them to, to go to try community out. And then I've seen also many times where that student will end up baptizing their family. When I think about the legacy that I've had the opportunity to be a part of, you know, and serving with Kid City and Stucco, seeing some of these kids as preschoolers and growing through up and through Stucco, going away to college and coming back to visit and the impact that they are making and, and not only coming back but wanting to serve. They want to be there, you know, and that that that's the kind of legacy I want, you know, where serving is not just because you feel you need, you need to do it, um, but or you're supposed to do it, but because you want to do it. That's God. That's God. You know, when he gets a hold of them, and they come back. Sorry. They come back from college and they're still at it, you know, or they decided to change their major to get into the ministry. That's just amazing. Or, or in serving, you know, and just serving others. And, and you pull that with their faith together. It's just so powerful. Yeah, that's amazing to me. When I think of my mom's legacy as a leader, um, I just look back across so many years just from seeing how many students that she's been able to lead and help them find their way back to God. Being a part of Stuco, both as a student and as a leader, has helped me grow so much in my own walk with the Lord and has helped me grow so much in my leadership skills that I've gotten connected with New Thing and I'm looking forward to doing a leadership residency in the next year or so and God's really leading me towards the UK. I'm so proud of um, Lindsay's desire to grow in Christ and, and eventually become a pastor. Um, she's gone through the the leadership program through our church and uh, you know she her passion is there. It really started with just seeing the example that my mom has set and just seeing her serving from such an early age and just seeing what an important part of a faith journey it is to be able to give back and to grow while you're helping other people grow. My guess is that everyone in this room can identify someone who played that role in your life, who invested in you, who poured into you, who loved you, who was patient with you. And we get to be that for one another. We get to be a part of leaving a legacy right here and now. So I want to challenge us in, in two ways to think about leaving a legacy. The first is aiming. I want to challenge all of us to aim at a life of faithfulness through what we call the three C's here. The first is celebrate. Celebrate is about being committed to being together on Sunday morning, to celebrate all that God has done. The second is contribute, or connect, sorry. Connect is all about living life in community. We talk about life being lived better in circles than in rows. By linking arms with one another to actually be in consistent, faithful community. And then lastly, contribute to take whatever resources God has given us, whatever time, talent, treasure, and to pour ourselves out. That's how we aim at a life of faithfulness. But the second is we need to release. So I wanna ask, who are the people that you are investing in right now, that you're pouring yourself into? 
Who in the next generation are you investing in that you're seeking out to raise up, to follow and love Jesus? One really great way that you can do that is through our Kid City and Stugo programs. Every week we have like hundreds of volunteers who are pouring into our kids and our students. And it is an incredible experience. It's an incredible opportunity to actually give back the ways that God has gifted you, has wired you. If you're interested in any way, shape, or form, you can go to the Contribute tab on your app, on the phone, on the community app, or after the service, you can head out the lobby against the yellow wall to the Contribute Party, and you can talk to somebody there. I cannot challenge you enough, though. Don't just think about how to aim your own life. Don't just think about how to live a life of faithfulness yourself but to be thinking, what kind of legacy am I leaving? Who can I be pouring into? Who can I be releasing and unleashing to change the world for the sake of the gospel? Let's pray. God, thank you that you have not built us for isolation. You've not built us to live life alone, but you've called us to one another. So God, I pray for every man, woman, and child in here, God, whatever, whatever that looks like for us to aim at being faithful to you, to each other, to the world, God, give us the courage to actually do that and help us to see who it is that you would have us invest in, to pour ourselves out for. God, every single one of us is leaving some kind of legacy. Help us to be intentional about the kind of legacy that is. We thank you. And we love you, Father, and we pray all these things in the beautiful name of Jesus. Amen.